Welcome to Camofoil, the podcast that digs for the truth and keeps on digging. I'm Denise. I'm Matt. And this is the podcast in which we uncover the hidden meaning of the most important stories that will never, ever make the headlines, and maybe some that do. Whereas other media outlets want to keep you in the dark, we shine a floodlight right in your face. You may think you're being blinded, but you're finally seeing the truth. So sit back and let us expose our truth to you. This is Camofoil. Well, welcome back to Camofoil, everyone. We've got a special episode this week where we're stepping away from the headlines, uh, not because there isn't plenty to talk about. I mean, of course, uh, Biden and the Democrats are destroying the country more and more every day, but we thought that we could do something a little more uplifting by talking about a a great movie that we just watched uh, that I think came out fairly recently. Um, it's on Netflix uh, for the time being, uh, Blade Runner. You may have heard of it. Yeah. It stars the guy from Star Wars and a bunch of other people that I've never heard of. Yep. The mermaid from Splash. Is right. It? That's right. I think it's after she killed Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was really confused because she she didn't have her fins. I didn't see any fish scales or of any kind. Right. My understanding is that at the end of Splash, she takes Tom Hanks underwater with her and then uh-huh. sacrifices him and then is able to become human oh. and then moves to L.A. Oh, I'm pretty oh, sure that's how it fits within the greater Splash cinematic universe. Exactly. So, you know, we thought it would be fun to kind of take a break from all the, the bad news and, you know, sort of the flaming hellscape that is our country for now. Uh, until the next election cycle, at least. But uh, and and just talk about this this um, this movie that really provides a, a somewhat uplifting vision of uh, of our world. But before we get to that, you know, one of the things that we've been living with here in this part of the country where we live is, of course, snow. Yep, and lots of it. Which again, Exhibit A, that global warming is just a myth. I mean. If the planet was warming up, we would not have this much snow for this many days. I went outside today. It was cold. I needed a jacket. There's ice on the ground, lots of snow. Yeah. I I just, where's the evidence? That's that's what I want to know. I slipped and fell on ice on my driveway. So I'm going to be suing Al Gore because, um, you know, if he hadn't lied about how global warming was a real thing, I would have known that ice was still a possibility. I think you're completely justified in doing that, right? I mean, there's so many people that I'm sure are slipping and falling because they think there's not going to be ice out there anymore. I mean, all all we're hearing about is glaciers melting and and breaking off from, uh, you know, the Arctic ice sheet and raising sea levels and all this. And and yet I still have ice in my driveway. I mean, come on, give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, are the glaciers just breaking onto my driveway? I don't think so. Yeah. So it it definitely feels like we may be living in another ice age. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know if the, I, some people are saying, actually, that that this is the onset of maybe another ice age. Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, it's really quite dangerous out there. And one of the things that happened last week was they closed the schools. Oh, yeah. Because of all the snow and everything. Yeah. And I was just I was wondering how how you how you felt about that, because I know you have kids and, you know, they had to stay home and everything. Right. Right. Well, and, you know, there was there was some concern that the that the schools might not close, um, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I really was was upset about because it's like, you know, don't you care about children's safety and their health and well-being? Like they cannot be out in this kind of weather. They could, you know, catch a cold. They mm-hmm. could fall and get hurt. Yep. Um, they could freeze to death waiting at the bus stop. I mean, it's just too dangerous. And there are very basic steps that our schools can take to mitigate that danger, like just closing the school. Yeah. Keeping them home. I mean, those buses are definitely not the best vehicles to be out on slippery, icy roads. Right. And I mean, it's just it's it's really important to look out for the safety and well-being and and health of our children. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, missing missing some school is just a small price to pay to make sure that they are safe and well cared for at home. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's exactly right. I mean, I think they made the right decision there, of course. Yeah. 
but of course some people are, are were resisting it or, or questioning it as usual yep and probably just the people who you know again want to continue with the liberal indoctrination of our kids which is what happens at school mm-hmm. so you know they don't want to miss a day on that but right. all the more reason why we need to have snow days yeah and i find it interesting that you know many of those people you know, because they want kids in school learning CRT and whatever uh, fashionable liberal outrage of the month is. Yeah, yeah, political correctness, uh, ideological Marxist toe the line uh, sloganeering is 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 uh, making its way around boards of education these days. They're the same people that want to keep kids home uh, during the last COVID. Right. Um, they wanted to close schools after Christmas break and so forth. And I just don't get it. Yeah, that makes no sense to me because, I mean, what difference would it make to have kids, you know, in school, even if COVID's going around? I mean, we all know that kids are fine. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter. So right. there's no there's no good reason to be keeping them at home. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just think, you know, and some people will raise the question about, you know, well, why do you support keeping kids home on a snow day? Well, right. the easy answer to that, I can see the snow. Yeah. You know, it's out there yeah. in my yard. I know what the danger is. I can, I can see that it's dangerous, right? Yep. Have you ever even seen coronavirus? No, not once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw one once at Halloween, but then it turned out that that was a person in a costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I That happened to me too. And uh, I mean, let me tell you, that was, I would say, the second most scariest Halloween costume that I saw this year after the uh, seven-year-old that I saw dressed up as uh, Fauci. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought he had come to my house to force me to take a vaccine and uh, triple mask, but he just wanted candy. Oh, they always do. Yeah. Always looking for a handout. But yeah, I mean, you know, and, and it's just it, the two totally different contexts, right? I mean, the two totally right. different issues. I mean, first of all, snow is, is a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus. I mean, when's the last time you could make a, a, a snow angel in your viral load? Yeah, I don't think I've ever managed that one. Yeah, me neither. I mean, first of all, because it doesn't exist. I mean, right. you, you can't make a snow angel in imaginary snow. Right, right. I mean, you, you can, you can, to be fair. I mean, I do like to make imaginary angels all the time. It makes me feel good. Sometimes I make hair angels. I just dump out all the hair that I've collected on the floor. And of uh, course, you know, that's always uh, it's a good stress reliever. Yeah. Yep. You know, why wouldn't you? Yeah. In fact, the last time we did that in my basement, they look so good. We just put a couple layers of lacquer over them and now they're just there for good in the floor. And it's great. You know, it. you know how like when you put down, we, we, we put in a new uh, sidewalk in our backyard uh, leading out to my neighbor Frank's uh, billboard. And you know how you put, you know, people put their handprint in, sure. you know, to see like, oh, here's yeah. how, what size your, you know, your, your kid's hand was in, in 1984 before their tragic accident. Anyway, the, uh, so we have these hair angels now embedded in our basement floor and uh, it's, it's, it's great at parties. Cause you know, we're having tons of parties now, um, since the pandemic is over yeah. and, uh, people just love to lay down and, and, and see how they compare to, um, sure, sure. You know, yep. To the hair angels that we've got. I'm sure it's a real conversation piece. It really is. It really is. You know, so I mean, you know, people who, you know, like to raise these questions about, you know, why would you send your kid to school with COVID happening, but keep them home for snow days? I mean, they just don't get it. Right. Right. They clearly don't. Yeah. Anyway, so that's been going on. It's given us plenty of time to think about this excellent new film, Blade Runner. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we had a couple of things we wanted to discuss about this movie just to kind of let our listeners uh, or listener, as the case may be, know about the film. And, you know, I think we wanted to talk a little bit first about the setting. It's right. It's obviously a fictional film. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 several clues. If you look hard, you, you'll find them. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is a little challenging because it's kind of shot in that sort of uh, guerrilla style of the office, you know, the, the real kind of, you know, break the fourth wall kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it does really make you feel like it's a it's a documentary. But yeah, but if you watch closely, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. There are a few things that were kind of red flags and maybe we can talk about those. But otherwise, I mean, it's it really, you know, the thing about the movie is it takes place in Los Angeles. Yep. Uh, more or less contemporary Los Angeles. Right? Yeah. 2019, I believe. was uh... 2019. Right. So it really gives us a feel for what Los Angeles is like. Now that's, uh, I've never been there. Me neither. I, I've never even been to California, right? Yeah. No, stay away. Stay away. Why would I, right? So it was, uh, it was interesting to see LA. I'm curious, you know, what, what did you think having, after having seen this movie, what did you, what do you think of Los Angeles? Yeah, well, you know, it, in a lot of ways, it really subverted some of my expectations of mm -hmm. what LA is. You know, for instance, I was really surprised pleasantly surprised to see how much uh, fossil fuel burning there was going on there. Yeah. We always think of it as, uh, you know, a haven of, of liberal environmentalists and their mm -hmm. renewable energy, energy sources and yada, yada, yeah. yada. But yeah, I mean, that opening shot of the city that's kind of, you know, I, I mean, they, they must have done it with a drone or maybe somebody on a hang glider, but it was just over the city. And there were just all these really uh, striking smokestacks, like belching out uh, flames and everything. I mean, it's actually yeah. quite, quite beautiful. It reminded me of uh, the last 4th of July that we had and all the Roman candles going off at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, and so it, it was really nice to see because uh, like you, I was expecting basically my worst nightmare. Right. Right. I was expecting to see electric vehicles everywhere, people on bicycles, um, <sighs> riding around public transit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think I even saw I didn't see a single uh, solar or electric powered vehicle, not even a bus. I yeah. Mean, there, there wasn't a bus or a trolley car and nothing like that. Yep. In the movie. And so, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, L.A. seemed uh, much more inviting than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot more factory heavy than I would have expected. Yeah, I know. I, I thought it was just uh, going to be tanning salons and, and movie studios. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Kim Kardashian's. But yeah, no, it, it, it was pleasantly uh, surprising. Yeah. You know how livable the city seemed. Right. Right. I was really comforted by uh, the number of firearms that were openly visible. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, and the aggressive approach that the uh, the police are taking to right. tamp down crime. Quite impressed with that as well. Yep. Yep, definitely. A bit darker, I believe, than what I would have expected. Yeah, I know. And interesting. I always, I agree with you. You know, we always think of uh, sunny California. I mean, I know they don't, they don't talk about this in the movie, but what my theory is, is that they actually had been using all that solar power, but drained the sun there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then they had to go back to, you know, burning fossil fuels and now they're living in the dark all the time. So yeah. Yeah. Really kind of a cautionary tale for the rest of us. Yeah. And, you know, it's like few people really understand this. But if if you, you know, if you live in a particular part of the planet, you know, like Southern California, where there is a lot of solar power, that actual piece of the sun that that heats and lights that part of the of the earth, that that part of the sun will go out. Right. Um, even even though in other parts of the country or the planet, the sun mm -hmm. will still be bright and shining in the sky. Yep. I mean, it's like I have a, a ceiling fan in my living room that has four lights in it and two of the bulbs have burnt out because I guess we were using too much of from those two. Yeah. So, you know, but the other two work fine, but it's kind of the same, the kind of the same system. It's the exact same principle, right? I mean, you can think of the sun as just a giant disco ball with, uh, you know, millions, if not billions of tiny lights in it and if if uh, some of them go out you know or if you suck all the power out of them you know yeah mm -hmm. too bad for you next thing you know you're living in a, a dark part of the country i was thinking too that you know because 
the sun is so direct in LA. I think part of it too might be because they're burning all those fossil fuels. There's there's a lot of smog, right? And that's oh, actually sure. that's actually one of the benefits of fossil fuels. I mean, people yeah. never uh, mainstream media never talks about this, right? Because oh, oh, smog, it's bad. It smells bad. It's brown yeah. and blah blah blah. But it actually blocks out the sun, right? Yep. And so. Yep. Um, you're not getting as many UV rays, right? And you know the sun's not shining in your eyes as much, right? So I think yeah. between draining the power out of the sun and the presence of the smog, LA has become a very a very dark place. Yeah. Yep. Um, but in a very inviting one at the same time. Yes. Very hospitable for those of us who have sensitive skin. Yeah. And so you know I think we should at this point really applaud the Chamber of Commerce and the Tourism Board of Los Angeles for for investing in this movie because it really, well, I can't say it puts the city in a positive light because there was so little light uh, involved, but um, it, it it really does make it look quite appealing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I I was expecting the people to look kind of bizarre in the fashion to be something I wasn't used to. And and, and that mostly held true. Uh, You know, there's a lot of really odd choices made by people. But, you know, I suppose everybody has to have their their quirks. So, right. I mean, they are uh, city people after all. And, you know, they probably don't have the same stores that we have here and right you know things like that but that was a little disorienting at times but helpful you know if uh if i decide to ever ever go out there i kind of know what to expect now at least yeah well and that's why if i ever went there i would be sure to bring enough clothing so that i wouldn't have to purchase any of the local wares right right um so probably three or four of those large luggage bags you know that you take on a plane for like a weekend trip you know i i yeah i think that would probably cover me that's smart but yeah it's a pretty positive view of the city yep and then i don't know do we want to talk a little bit about kind of what the movie's about Sure. Yeah. I mean, I will say one of the things I was kind of disappointed with when the movie started was there was a lot of reading that had to happen in the beginning. But I guess that makes sense because that's how all the Star Wars movies start. Yeah. Yeah. That opening scroll thing. So that was helpful, I guess, to kind of let us know where we are and situate this within the larger Star Wars universe. Right. And it, and it was a little confusing because it didn't start off with long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Right. And it didn't put which episode this one was. I but know. Yeah. Maybe they got confused because it went like four, five, six. And then it's this like seven or is this like four and one a half. or like zero yeah. I you know because it, it it seems to happen at a bit of a different time but you know we, we can we can get into that as we're as we're going through the movie I know it was it, it was a little confusing in that regard right where it fits yeah. into the timeline and I was really disappointed by the people at uh, Spielberg Studios right you know that they didn't really pay attention to the uh, continuity there yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, like Han Solo didn't actually act like Han Solo normally would. I mean, there were some similarities, but I I mean, maybe he was just really undercover. Yeah. In this one. Yeah. So. And I was I was a little worried, you know, they kind of dipped into some of that Jar Jar Binks territory where they made the Yoda character look like a little old Chinese guy. Yeah. I, yeah. That was, that was really unexpected. And yeah. But at least they put him in a nice fur coat with a bunch of tubes attached to it. Yep. But yeah, it was a little heavy on the reading at first. Yeah. Um, so just just a fair warning for our listeners that. Yeah. Uh, have you have your remote ready to pause uh, if you want or just skip it. Yeah. It's a visual medium. You're not expected to read. Yeah, exactly. They could have told that story uh, visually if they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. So it starts off with this this uh, scroll of text and then you know takes us into this beautiful landscape of uh, of LA of uh, current day LA i mean what would you say is this movie's really about i mean i think what it boils down to is this is a classic tale of mm-hmm. government run amok and destroying the private property of businesses 
Exactly. So in addition to giving us this really beautiful and, and striking portrayal of the city, I mean, let's be honest, the city is really a character in the movie, right? Oh, for um, sure. It, it might even be the star, I'm not sure. But it does tell this story of government overreach. That's, I mean, it's right. That is, that is one of the three basic plot lines outlined by Ayn Rand in uh, Fountainhead. Yeah. As far as I know. And so we have this special unit of the police, the Blade Runners, right? Which apparently Han Solo is undercover in this movie or yeah, something, right? Because yeah. he goes by a totally different name. Yeah. Um, Decker. Yeah. And uh, he, he doesn't he doesn't have his usual blaster. I didn't see Chewbacca anywhere. No, no, I didn't either. So this must have been like before they met or something. I yeah. Mean, yep. maybe, maybe this is a prequel to the Solo movie that came out. Oh, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, could be. I don't know. Right. Uh, so he's he's a, an agent in this in this organization that is essentially tasked with destroying these replicants. Right. Right. Which are these uh, essentially droids that look exactly like human beings mm-hmm. um, and are used for a variety of labor purposes. But there is always kind of a fear that. You know, you can't, it's, it's very hard to tell if someone is a replicant or not, which makes me again, going back to this idea that it's a prequel, like maybe because of the the whole Blade Runner existence, Mm -hmm. maybe this is why they switched to making droids look like trash cans and, you know, gold robots. Yeah. Um, So that was really clear to tell what's what. Yeah. Um, And then hopefully the government which in this case would obviously be the empire, won't come in and destroy, you know, your property. Right, exactly. And I, I mean, I actually think it's kind of a brilliant twist on the sort of futuristic sci-fi narrative to have a set of movies where the droids actually become less human over right, time. I, right. I really think that that's a really uh, smart move um, that director J.J. Abrams made with this movie. Yeah, you know, and and I suspect that that's also probably Seth Rogen's influence because I think he and Joe Rogan were involved in the writing of this movie. I, I know we're not supposed to say Joe Rogan's name anymore. Apparently, um, that's verboten. Yeah, that's exactly exactly exactly. But I I do like this idea of like the droids becoming less less human, right? Sort yeah. of essentially to our eyes less advanced, right? But it, right. apparently in this universe, maybe they they fit more into that but yeah i think part of the story here like you said is is the corporation the tyrell corporation which apparently i mean that's one of the interesting things we learn in this movie because i was always you know the star wars movies and one of the things i was always stuck about where did these droids come from I mean, who's making right, right. right? and I now mean, anakin only made the one so yeah, i don't know where I mean, all the rest of them came from yeah he couldn't have made c3po and bb8 and all that stuff but now we know it's the tyrell corporation has just been churning these things out for god knows how long yeah well apparently starting with la in 2019 and then you and know sending them out from there yeah although actually now that i think about it since the star wars movies take place long long ago now i'm confused about where we are on the timeline. Uh, yeah yeah any anyway that'll be another podcast yeah but it it was really hard to figure out it took me basically the whole movie to figure out who c3po was yeah um because he was he was basically covered in skin yeah and when he like you know smushed that guy's eyes out that was unexpected yeah but also classic c3po i see why they wanted to change him into a almost completely inflexible walking metal thing that can barely move you know it's much easier to get away from him in in his original movies form yeah that that was pretty terrifying you know and i don't i mean there's a reason why this star wars movie is on netflix and not disney plus right 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 because you know if c3po is going around popping people's eyes and basically acting like a homicidal maniac right yeah although i do think it would be nice if in some of the star wars movies they had had c3po smash his head through a few more walls right like when they're getting you know trapped in that trash compactor instead of just being up in that other room shrieking at r2d2 to like just stop the machines and shut them all down yeah if he had just like smashed his head into the trash compactor and then grabbed that monster that had luke yeah 
and just gouged its eyes out. Yeah, that would have been great, first of all. Yeah. Also, I'll bet you Han Solo then would not have just reached over and turned him off in Empire Strikes Back when... uh, No way. They were in the Millennium Falcon together. No, he would have... uh, No way, no way. But, you know, the interesting thing about this movie, Blade Runner, is it really shows you how far back those two characters go. Right, right. Yeah. In terms of their, I don't know if we want to call it friendship or conflict, you know, because they do have yeah. that whole fight scene at the end of Blade Runner. Yeah. You know, but yeah, they, they do have a very, a very long history. What one, one direction or the other. Yeah. I mean I mean I don't know if we're I don't know if we're seeing the beginning past, or the end anymore, but it's clearly a long one. It it kind of just wraps around on itself. I don't know. Maybe we're talking Snake eating its tail or something. Yeah, it's some of these sci-fi things are really, really quite confusing. Real head scratchers. Yeah. So, yeah, the droids are represented in kind of an interesting, interesting way in this movie. But suffice to say, Han Solo, a.k.a. Decker, is yeah. tasked with essentially eliminating a few droids that have gone rogue. Yeah. Not unlike uh, C-3PO and R2-D2. Right. Or Rogue One. Yeah, exactly. Which is really one of the major flaws of the of the Star Wars movies, I think, is yeah. is uh, uh, allowing those, you know, showing those droids, you know, I don't know, they're just they're not doing any favors uh, for the AI industry. Yeah. So the whole point is there there is this police unit that is is tasked with or this individual, actually, that right. is tasked with uh, eliminating these droids. Right. And just for the record, he doesn't actually carry any blades that we see. No, and does very little running as well. Right, right. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I thought that when they uh, when I saw this movie on Netflix, I thought, oh, they have released this in conjunction with the Winter Olympics because this this is clearly a bobsled movie. That's what I thought. I thought it was either bobsled or luge or maybe speed skating or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it and it was really confusing. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was totally on the speed skating thing because you know you're running on blades for that. It's right. It's like yeah. See, I th- I I focused more on the on the runner side, and I thought of that movie Cool Runnings about the oh, yeah. yeah bobsled team and, and how John Candy brought them to victory. Actually, one of the things I appreciated that movie, it was John Candy as himself. Few people know this, that, but he was actually a serious bobsled coach uh, before he you know, got into movies. Yeah, he was inspired when he saw FDR at the Summer Olympics. Uh, that, really, that really set him off on that path. Yeah, and I can I can totally see that. Because, I mean, you, with all due respect to John Candy, you look at that guy and you don't think bobsledder. Right, right. Um, but yeah, apparently he was he he was quite good. I mean that that movie really showed it. And and I I really thought for a movie going back to Blade Runner for a movie that was perhaps you know somehow based on Cool Runnings, Harrison Ford's Jamaican accent was terrible. Did he even try? I yeah, I don't think so. I think he he totally phoned that part in. Yeah, I mean whoever the vocal coach was on that, um, they should get fired. Yeah. The other thing that had me confused this also despite the name Blade Runner, isn't about Blade the vampire guy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, we're not running after him. Right. Uh, nor is he running around in this. So yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that could confuse you. That's why it's good for you guys to listen to this first before you watch the movie so that you understand what you're getting into. Yeah, right. So, so to be clear, it is not a Winter Games bobsled movie. There are no Jamaicans in it as far as we can tell. It has nothing to do with the Caribbean, takes place in L.A. It's part of the Star Wars universe, although overtly so. You know, Marvel really set a standard for us, I think, when it comes to cinematic universes. And Mm -hmm. we've got to remember that that just wasn't how it always worked. Yeah. Um, So some of these are going to be a little rougher around the edges on on that score. Well, and the other thing I thought about, too, is because I think some of the same people were involved, but I don't know if right. you saw, but they're doing a gritty reboot of The Prince of Bel-Air um, that's meant to be a little more realistic. Yeah. And, and I think that that was part of the idea of this, right? They Because, you know, the 
when you think of the classic Star Wars movies, the ones that originally came out, I mean, they're all polished and everything looks so nice. And, you know, like all right. the droids are in really good condition and, you know, everything's working. And, you know, Tatooine, let's be honest, is basically the Fiji of that universe, you know, and now they're trying to make it a little more, you know, maybe Mandalorian style, you know, like a little yeah. grittier and stuff like that. So, yeah. I think- I think that was that was maybe part of the goal here. Well, and actually, a, a Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Blade Runner crossover would make sense because they both take place in L.A. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that kind of uh, cross universe uh, yeah. storytelling. Yep, I'm here for it. Yeah, one thing that I will say that was uh, conspicuously absent from Blade Runner was any Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, again, really muddies the timeline. So is this like after the Clone Wars and, you know, and that uh, the Jedi have pretty much been wiped out. So they are not seeing them here. Right. Or, you know, or is this why the Jedi had to be wiped out? It's because they weren't paying any attention to what was going on here on Earth where people might have needed them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, let's well, let's put it this way. Okay, if the Jedi were in this movie, they would be wiping out the Blade Runners left and right. Yeah, because nothing says a friend to droids like the Jedi. You didn't see you didn't see uh, Jedi torturing droids uh, like uh, in Jabba's palace. That no, was, that was all job of the hut. Yeah. So the so, so the the movie basically revolves around these these four, let's call them droids, although in the movie they're known as replicants for whatever right. reason. Local dialect. Sure. Yeah. You know, that are that are looking for freedom, essentially. Right. Because they're they're set to be retired or no, right. wait, they're they're going they're going to to die or turn off after right. a certain amount of time. I think yeah. it's four years. Four years. Yeah. Right. And then what Han Solo's character is doing is, yeah, trying to eliminate these these rogue, um, forcibly retire, the, right? Uh, the rogue, right? And and that's what it's called, even though he's he's essentially killing them. Although you know, I mean, do we want to get into the debate about whether a droid can actually die or not? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, he 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 is executing them. But in this in this world, they call it retirement. Yeah. Retirement, by the way, is I think that's a, a great substitution for uh, execution, by the way. Right. Because frankly, let's be honest, when you retire, you're no longer a productive member of society. Uh, so really, what good is a person? It's, it's pretty much death anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, I'm pretty sure the statistics tell us that most men die within a year of retiring. Right. Uh, watch out for that retirement cake. It might actually contain the same chip that... Uh, deactivates the replicants after their their time's up i mean wouldn't it solve a lot of problems if with the death penalty folks if we just renamed executions retirements yeah problem solved right Right. yep also got some possibilities for fixing the social security crisis here yes i agree i mean you know obviously we would get rid of that system entirely yeah there'd be no one there to use it that's right. Now, one of the, one of the questions I had about this movie is if the replicants are set to die after a certain period of time anyway, why kill them? Right. Uh, which, I mean, again, it just goes back to the fact that the Blade Runners are part of the government and mm-hmm. the government can't not get involved in interfering with private corporations. Right. And it's it's just a classic case of uh, government waste. Right. 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 You know, a private corporation's already doing a great job with something. Mm-hmm. Right? They've created an artificial race of enslaved human like robots that go to other planets and suck the natural resources out of them. I mean, hello, utopia. Yeah. Sounds great to me. And 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 here comes the government just with their uh, Gestapo tactics, you know, mm-hmm. their, their fascist police force. Yeah. Uh, just wanting to do what what corporations are already doing well. And really, I mean, when you think about it, the movie starts off with a replicant being questioned at his place of employment and ends up shooting his interrogator, uh, which sets the whole story in motion. Mm-hmm. If they had just let that guy continue to go about his working duties, uh, you know, right. just do his job, they hadn't called him in there. If they hadn't started asking him questions about turtles lying upside down on the road, right? none of this would have happened. Everybody would have been great. They would have had a productive worker mm-hmm. who could have been, you know, earning money for the company. Right. 
Uh, and that guy would have been alive. I mean, I, I don't understand. It was never made clear to me why they couldn't just let these replicants do their job. Right. Let them work in peace. Yeah. You know, just let the droids do what they were designed yeah. to do. Yeah. You know? I mean, the one thing that could have maybe fixed that plot hole for me yes. is if there had been, you know, like a stitch of dialogue or something saying that this guy was actually caught not doing his work, like, you know, he was surfing the web or something when he should right. have been working, then I would have understand or I would have understood. Yeah, you gotta go in and you gotta figure out what's wrong with this uh yeah. with this guy. And of course, you know, if a worker's not being productive, then any action is justified in making them do their work. So Exactly. I mean, that that would have been totally different context. I mean, right. they would have been totally justified in what yep. they did. Right. Yeah. Um, but in, instead, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if we were supposed to take the side of the replicants or whatever, but what I actually thought you were going to suggest when you were talking about, you know, maybe some revisions to the movie. I mean, if I had been on the you know, one of the executive producers or something, I would have said for that, that questioning scene, let's have Obi-Wan Kenobi come in, wave his right. magic Jedi hand and say, this is not the droid you're looking for. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah, yep, done. We're all done. Short film, but a great one. Exactly. Quality over quantity. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's it really is this kind of uh, David versus Goliath kind of story of, you know, a, a, yeah. a, a humble, lowly, productive corporation um, that has come up with essentially genetic engineered robots being terrorized by the government. Yeah. I mean, in spite of the fact that the movie is, I would say, mostly a comedy. Yeah. It's really kind of sad when you think about it. Mm -hmm. It's an essential or, or your basic 1776 story of uh, oppressed private companies overthrowing a tyrannical government. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I maybe we should have been interpreting this movie through the lens of 1776. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 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 there as a subtext. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame that they couldn't get Lin-Manuel Miranda to write for this because uh, he could have put in some pretty good songs. I think yeah. that would have really uh, livened up the movie a little bit. Yeah. Well, so I guess then, uh, Matt, the big question is, do we like this movie or not? That is the big question. And, you know, I think before we get to the review of it and whether we like it or not, there's there's a few criteria that we, we we need to talk about, right? I mean, as you know, any good movie, in fact, all the best movies have product placement. Yes, that's how I value movies is based on how well they do that. Yeah, I mean, the way that I think about it is if a major corporation or the U.S. military isn't able to financially back a movie, it's probably not worth watching. Right, right. You know, because the movie makers wouldn't be able to convince those entities to invest their money if they didn't have a good product. Right. And we all know, you know, like the Super Bowl is only worth watching because of the commercials. And likewise, movies are only worth watching based on how many products you can learn about. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I don't even know who won the Super Bowl because I fast forwarded through all the gameplay to get to the commercials. Right. I think Uber Eats won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that sounds right to me. I I, yeah. I figured it was either Uber Eats or cryptocurrency. Right, exactly. It was a it was a it was a challenging game for both, but sure, they had a lot of heart. With with Larry David as your quarterback, you can't go wrong. Okay, so if if we're taking the the Super Bowl as our gold standard uh, in terms of product placement, right? How does this movie stack up? Did did you think there were enough products placed in the movie? What I think is that the movie did its best to try to make sure that we were aware of various products, but I think it was clear that certain companies just didn't go all in as they should have. And yeah. we see how that plays out. Cause I mean, we saw ads for things like Atari and for Pan Am, both companies that, you know, clearly are not active today. Um, I, yeah, I was I was actually impressed that they were able to get sponsorships from those companies. Right, right. But obviously Pan Am and Atari should have paid more and gotten like the giant billboard option that yeah. Coca-Cola did because right. we still have Coca-Cola. That's not yeah. a that's not a question. Right. So 
Um, I'm not going to blame the movie too much. I'm going to blame the companies for not not making sure that they were that they were getting the biggest and most blatant product placement they could. And you really got to wonder what Pan Am's marketing department was thinking in sinking any money into a movie that has flying cars in it. Right, right. I mean, if anything's going to put airplanes out of business, it is the flying car industry. Yeah, uh, some questionable decisions there. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, Goodyear's attempt by making sure that they had like a high tech Goodyear blimp uh periodically flying through the movie that was a smart move uh they didn't even have to put goodyear on it we all know to associate blimps with them so right right that was smart that was smart product placement i agree i mean i think if the other companies had followed the coca-cola model because there's basically a giant coke billboard that they flew past practically in every scene yeah yep I mean, I don't know about you, but I polished uh, off the whole case of uh, room temperature Diet Coke while I was watching that movie. And I just, you know, I kept I kept wanting to go back for more. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even think about why until afterwards. Yep. Sign of good placement there. It is. It is really. When you finish a movie and you find yourself almost swimming in a ball pit of empty plastic Diet Coke bottles, that's 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 good marketing in my in my uh, in my book. I'd like to see anybody argue otherwise. Um, yeah, pretty good product placement. I don't know if there was enough though. That's right. that's my only that's my only gripe. And maybe if Pan Am and Atari had really uh, held up their end of the bargain, there would have been a little bit more. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it would have been nice to see Decker maybe wearing some kind of, you know, like NASCAR suit with the patches on it or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, lens crafters missed out on a big opportunity with how much Huge. eyes and eye replacement was playing into yeah. this. Oh yeah, yeah. And not to mention uh, the Plastic Surgeons of America Association. Right. They should have definitely got in on this one. Yep. Yeah, it was a real missed opportunity. I, I actually, when I'm watching a movie, if there isn't a product actively being advertised in the scene i get nervous i mean i break out into sweats right you know i i start to feel a little vertigo so it would have been nice if there had been a little bit more uh, yeah yep you know so i don't i don't know uh we didn't we hadn't really talked about what our rating system would be here but uh you know we would give it what three out of five stars on product placement we think yeah, yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, if we're gonna go with the Super Bowl analogy, I guess it's three out of five Lombardi trophies. But yeah, so three three out of five trophies, sure. Uh, what about what about lessons learned? Did uh, you know? Do we come away from this movie really feeling like we we learned something important? Sure, I think the big lesson that I took away from this was that we have to be really careful about vaccines and vaccinations because clearly that's how they're putting in these chips that uh, make you die within four years. So yeah. uh, that's, I think that was loud and clear throughout the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's almost kind of eerie how, how much this movie sort of predicts our current situation. Right, yep. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really raises the question, you know, would we want to live in this reality? You mm-hmm. know, um, that's what I always think about when I'm reviewing a movie. And, you know, I think there's some things that that were uh, kind of nice about the movie. Uh, I, I definitely like the flying cars. I thought that was cool. Again, the multiple natural gas jets just yeah. burning constantly. Uh, that was that seemed very gratifying. It's like having a, a warm fire going at all times, you know. Yep. I like the raincoats, the plastic raincoats, see-through raincoats. I thought those were uh, those were desirable, and you know, plate glass windows that you can fly through without apparently getting any uh, injuries from. That's, yeah, that seems like a real a real upgrade. Yep, I will say the things that that I didn't like as much was um, the way that they tried to stop people from working. I mean, the whole beginning of this movie yeah. is they pull this guy who turns out to be a replicant away from his job to question him on whether or not he's a replicant. And it's like, well, right. why not just let him work? I mean, you know that he's only going to last four years total. So why not right. just get everything that you can out of him? Yeah. Um, it makes me very suspicious of a workplace that doesn't seem to want to get every ounce of productivity it can from anybody and anyone 
and anything that's in their in their right. factory. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that that wasn't that wasn't really um, that wasn't really that that great. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, but there were there were so many other things about this world that were really desirable. You know, I yeah. mean, I think a powerful company that is is using a contingent short term labor force to extract raw materials from other planets. Yeah, dream come true. Yeah, it's what we need. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, we're almost there with the rockets we've been sending to asteroids and stuff like that. Yep. And certainly, uh, you know, Amazon has been working hard at making sure that we have uh, throwaway labor that we can just use up and toss out and not let them have any kind of basic rights or access to things like bathrooms. Not, Not unlike the boxes that all those Amazon products come in. Right. So, yeah, but I agree, you know, just just let the workers work. Yeah. You know, it would have been nice, you know, if the movie I mean, I thought they did a nice job of showing how this corporation was really oppressed. Um, yeah. You know, by the government. But, yeah. But it could have been a little more pro corporation, I think. Right. Right. You know, one of the things that I thought was quite interesting and maybe desirable was that um all of los angeles seems to be chinatown at that point yeah that sounds sounds great to me that seems pretty awesome fortune cookies galore great food everywhere you go great food yep uh great markets yeah Um, i mean you can just uh plastic surgery is obviously routine you can just pop in and get a new eye as, as as you mentioned or other replacement limbs um although apparently you have to go into a meat locker to do it yeah but i suppose the cold helps uh keep everything fresh so that's true that's true yeah i mean and i guess you know it is la so it's probably pretty hot outside so it's probably nice to yeah you know while you're getting your surgery done you can just relax step away from a bit yeah yeah so the other thing that stood out to me was uh you know, they, they replaced the word execution with retirement. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly, you know, there was, there were some good ideas in here. Definitely. And I think, I think by doing that, that really, um, again, encourages people to just keep working until they drop dead. Like, yeah. You know, if they, if the other option is retirement, uh, you know, they're going to stick around. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. No more need for social security or any of that government waste. I think that's a really great point, right? Movies like this do a great job of really reconfiguring the meaning of retirement to, yeah. to what it really means, right? You, yep. you have become so useless to society that you should uh, just drop dead. Yeah. Yep. Right. And if you don't do it yourself, we're going we're gonna to help you along the way. Right. More of that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the future that, uh, that we deserve. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess maybe as a Star Wars movie, we'd give it maybe one or two out of five Lombardi trophies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think on, on this one, uh, I think the scale will be Jar Jar Binks. So maybe one oh. or two Jar Jars. Well, should it be more Jar Jars means that it's not a great movie or? Oh, yeah. Good question. I mean, <laughs> I thought he's what really carried the whole franchise, uh, even the movies that he's not in. That's true. I mean, you really got the sense uh, from the original movies that were made in the 70s and 80s that they were just a run up to his his, his big entree. Debut. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I actually have a separate podcast uh, where another friend and I, um, we go, we watch all the movies and look for all the Jar Jar Binks Easter eggs in all the original oh, movies. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because that I, was... That was one of those things where, you know, George Lucas had the vision, but the technology just hadn't caught up yet. So yeah. he had to put him on hold until. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when that movie came out, it was a real revelation for me because, you know, in episode four, uh, practically every other word out of Luke's mouth was Jar Jar Binks. And, you know, I was just like, what's what's the deal with this? Yeah, it never made any you know? sense originally. No. But, uh, you know, kudos to Spielberg for having the forethought to really lay down, you know, those those deep tracks, uh, clues, if you will, uh, to, to pick them up later. Yeah. I just wish they'd done the same with the same with this movie, because it, it really is. Um, it's definitely a mediocre Star Wars film. Right. Right. It really doesn't have a lot of the, the things that we're looking for, what we expect from a Star Wars movie. But yeah, not a single Klingon either. 
What's what's the deal with that? Right, right. You've got replicants, but not Klingons. What? Yeah. And you're in L.A. I mean, it just I don't know. So there were some things that didn't come together. Uh, I would say. Yeah. But overall, it was it was it was a pleasant film to watch. I would say. Yep. Good way to spend a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I look forward to watching it with my kids. Yeah. Yep. I think the three and four year olds will really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would you say that the, you know, cause, cause you're a parent, I mean, I'm a parent too, but I'm not really involved. Do would you say that this is a family friendly movie? Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's very little sex. There's some, you know, just a little bit of things, which obviously is not appropriate for kids of any age, but otherwise, you know, yeah. it's just good old American fashion violence so obviously that's uh fully acceptable for kids of all ages um yeah so yeah yeah very strong in that in that regard yeah and it does a lot to normalize gun violence which uh right you know which kids need uh in this day and age yeah they need to understand that that's it's just part of life yeah when you're when your boss starts asking you questions about emotions sometimes that's just how that's how you deal with it i'm triggered that's you know, that's what that guy should have said. Yeah. If they if they had had that language right. at that time. Right. You know. But I guess he kind of demonstrated it. He had a different trigger. He did. Yeah. Good. Well, so this is I I, I feel pretty good about uh, what we've done with this movie. As do I. And definitely recommend our listeners to check it out. Yep. Uh, yep. I think it's still on Netflix. I'm not sure when it's leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's moving to Disney Plus to go with all the other Star Wars movies, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know where exactly that's uh, that's going to end Yeah, up. it could be. Yeah, it might go. I, I heard that they were going to do a Blade Runner marathon on OAN uh, sometime in the next month. Uh, so I don't know if it's moving to that network. Yeah, um, also a good good possibility. Yeah, yeah. So get it while you can, folks. That's right. And, uh, you know, don't forget to have uh, plenty of Diet Coke on hand. Yep. And uh, if you're interested in our uh, web store, we have created a a Star Wars themed drinking game that goes along with Blade Runner, you know, that 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 tells you that sort of maps out all the Star Wars uh, Easter eggs and Jar Jar Binks references and so forth. And, And so if so if you want to play that along while you're watching it, uh, it, it doesn't have to be alcoholic drinks. Uh, you can do it with Diet Coke if you want to. Yep. Yep. It works both ways. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily recommend using Diet Coke. I, I tried that. And um, let's just say it was a long night. Understandable. You know, whatever beverage you want to choose, go right ahead. This is America. That's right. We're not telling you what to do. You decide. You decide. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that covers it pretty well. Well, it's time for us to wrap up before the feds can triangulate our position. While we're fleeing the feds, please subscribe to Camofoil on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want us to keep exposing our truth to you, give us a five-star rating. If you want to continue to live in ignorance, give us a five-star rating. Don't forget to tell everyone you know to listen to us and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, including even your neighbor, who's probably a member of the Deep State. I'm Denise. I'm Matt. This is Camofoil. And remember, don't believe anything until you hear from us again, even if you never hear from us again. Mm